Welcome to Barbatos Catholic Podcast, the show where two Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. We are your hosts, Gustavo and Walter, and today we have episode 97 for you all. Is that crazy? That's nuts. So remember, close to 100. Remember when we were in the tiny closet? I know, in the boiler room. Touching our, our knees, touching? I know, I haven't loves to tell that story (laughs) very intimate let's just say that it was very intimate it was a very intimate podcast you know very humble beginnings Mm. yeah and look at us now look at us now i look the same color as the walls it's kind of i need some sun (laughs) or better lights in your room well that too yeah Mm -hmm. but again you know this is a diy podcast so Thankfully, not a lot of people are looking at us on YouTube. So That's a good point. We have like six <laughs> views per videos. If you want to change that, go to YouTube.com and look for Barbatos Catholic Podcast. Yep. You can help us out if you subscribe. Anyways, um, today I want to tell you a story that I stumbled upon mm. that I thought that it was amazing. Okay, so we're gonna <clears throat> let's pretend that this is like a radio theater nice um, episode. You want me to do effects? <laughs> he was on a horse. That's fun. We, we should we, do that next. <laughs> we didn't rehearse it. We didn't rehearse it. This is so live. This is the magic of recording live. <clears throat> no editing. Okay, so the subject of this episode is a story about a young priest Mm. in 1936 in Spain. This is all in the middle of the Spanish Civil War. Religious intolerance was rampant, and priests were the target of mock trials, torture, and execution. This reminded me of the Cristero War. Yeah. In 1923, but, you know, Spain had it really bad because it was like 1936 with the Civil War, Mm. and then World War II broke out through Europe, so it was kind of a mess. Yeah, they were getting it from everywhere. I know. This young priest was en route to the Madrid Cathedral. As he approached the cathedral steps, he noticed a sinister-looking man purposefully walking towards him across the piazza. The man's hand was going towards an inside coat pocket, very obviously reaching for a gun. As the priest frantically looked for escape routes, he saw a large, tuggish-looking man moving swiftly to confront the would-be assassin. He blocked the assassin's path to the priest, and when the killer made to bypass him, he moved again in a threatening fashion to block the way. Thwarted, the killer turned on his heels and vanished into the crowd. The priest, meanwhile, was watching this drama spellbound. Then, to his dismay, the thug approached him then in a confidential manner hissed in his ear. Manji donkey! Manji donkey! 
Immediately, he turned around and striding off was soon out of sight. The priest was stunned, not only from the shock of narrowly missing death, but also from the thuggish men and the words he had whispered into his ear. Mangy donkey, mangy donkey. These words were used by the priest when he went on his knees in front of the Blessed Sacrament each day. He would speak to our Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy upon me, your unworthy servant. I am no more than a mangy donkey. Please have pity on me, your mangy donkey. Hmm. It was then that the priest realized that, since he alone knew that he used these words in his dialogue with God, the thuggish man must have been his guardian angel. The priest then proceeded into the cathedral to give thanks for his salvation. Uh, That's good. What happens next? <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to reveal the identity of this young priest in 1936. Um, this was a, something that happened to Saint Jose Maria Escrivá de Balaguer, founder of Opus Dei. Um, and I learned that he was very fond of his guardian angel. Hmm. Um, it says another funny story, uh, aside from the mangy donkey, he would call his um, guardian angel his relojerico, Ah. which is watchmaker, because <laughs> apparently Saint Jose Maria had a really bad alarm clock. Oh yeah, that didn't didn't go off, went off exactly. So he would pray to his guardian angel. I have to, to wake, wake him up. up. At, yeah, to wake him up, and it never failed him. <laughs> um, so he was. Actually, he started Opus Day on the Feast of Guardian Angels on October 2nd, mm. 1928. So this is like a, a fun story about St. Jose Maria and Guardian Angels and Opus Day Because I feel like we've been talking about him, St. Jose Maria, on and off mm -hmm. across all the 90-something episodes that, that we have made. So I, I felt it was time to talk about him. Yep. Do you know much about him? Um, I haven't necessarily developed like a huge relationship with him. I, I know the basics. I know he's an amazing force to be reckoned with, especially when you're thinking about Catholic quotes. You know, if you want to grow in virtue, I think, there's one of the best companions you can have is Jose Maria Escriva because he just like calls it as it is. He doesn't pull any punches. I think he was a little bit of a short tempered kind of man. So it, it somebody we can't relate to you and I actually, um, <laughs> very but, true. but the, the way he would speak, you know, it's, it's very direct. Uh, he didn't mince words. Uh, every word had weight and it was it was dead on it was very sure of himself and it's 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 refreshing you know and i think men need to be talked to like that again because uh, yeah. now everybody just gets so offended so quick that i don't i don't know what what that would have been like you know in his in his 
pastoral being in his pastoral care. <laughs> I know. Crying. It's so interesting to to think about. Like, okay, he was born in 1902 in in northeast Spain, and um, and I think he became a priest maybe like around 1920 something mm. because he had the vision for Opus Dei in 1928. So he was ordained. Um, so 1928, he is 26 years old. So he was probably ordained a pr pretty young. Um, but then the, the succession of events that happened in Spain and Europe made it very difficult for him to accomplish that mission that was given to him by God, right? Mm. There was the, the Spanish Civil War and then the Second World War, which even though Spain was neutral, it devastated all of Europe completely. So they were like having famines all across Europe, even though Spain was not involved in the war. But they were pretty decimated between their own like fighting um, yeah so it wasn't until like the 1950s when saint jose maria moved to rome that things started to pick up in terms of like the opus day and um and basically the, the the message of um saint jose maria once he opened it up to to lay people because i think this is one of the things that he um, had to get permission from the an approval from the Vatican and all that is to create a lay organization that simply put would call, uh, respond to the call of holiness by sanctifying where work. they were that work their work basically yeah mm -hmm. sanctification through work it's uh, I was gonna make it more word wordy, but it doesn't have to be. Yes, um, <laughs> the work of God. So the work of God is like you are the hands, and the and the feet, and the in the mouth of Christ wherever you are. So if you uh, happen to to look for his, uh, um, he did like a tour of like uh, Latin America and pretty much a global tour but the, the videos that i've seen is he gets together with uh, members of opus day in several different countries in the world mm. and they have like a q a session so they recorded those q a sessions and looking him looking at him speak so plainly um off the cuff almost mm. um is it's pretty phenomenal like Fulton Sheen, but like in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like you said, he doesn't mince words. He is uh, still very fatherly, very pastoral. But uh, when you read like Camino, which is one of his uh, major publications that the that he produced, which like he was very fruitful in terms of like his writing and the things that he did. Um, there's like that famous little paragraph, Estovir, via man, mm -hmm. um, which in the 1950s, 
if you see everybody or even in the 70s when it was like in between 70 and 75 when things picked up for Opus Dei, in those Q&A sessions that are recorded, everyone is wearing a suit. Yeah. It, it's insane. Like the, 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 what now would be considered toxic masculinity before that is like, it was a different society. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a standard. It was a different way of carrying yourself. You know, we always see Carolina always brings this up. You know, my wife is uh, very acute to this when we were watching a movie about a different, a bygone area right? era, um, uh -huh. the twenties, the thirties, the forties people dressed like they reflected the, the dignity of the person by the way they, they dressed. Um, and she always like New York, you know, in the fifties and the forties, mm -hmm. everybody were, it, no matter how poor you were, everybody had a nice coat, a nice suit, right? You know, that, that, and it's weird because everybody kind of like looked the same, you know, because everybody had neutral colors and whatnot, mm -hmm. but there was some niceness to it. I know. I don't know. It was every, everything's so noisy now, yeah. you know, yeah. just, just in the way people dress. I'm not bashing anybody cause I'm not the best dressed uh, person. I could I mean, definitely try better. T-shirts right now. <laughs> I could definitely try better on that sense, but the standard was different back then. Right. I mean, yes. even, even people who were going to work on the car had like a, a nice white shirt underneath white. You know, you're going to work on with oil. Let's wear white. But let's, but they used like a nice apron. I don't know. There was just something about it. There was some, uh, what's the word I'm missing? Class, you know, a lot of class to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess in, in, well, we could, we could talk about, uh, you know, how a man should dress. That should probably be a good, a good, conversation for, for not a, not like this <laughs> not like this but um yeah if you're if you're looking at at us uh, on youtube but um regardless of that the, the way that people carry themselves yes uh, but mm -hmm. the message is still relevant i i think even more so mm -hmm. today um what what saint jose maria was trying to to convey um and um just I think he had like just this magnetic personality, the way that he spoke, the way that he carried mm -hmm. himself. He was always like in a cassock or like uh, with his with his clerics, you know, very mm -hmm. traditional Roman Catholic priest. Um, it was just, even though it's not that far away from today it also feels like an eternity ago that mm -hmm. things have changed so much and not that we're being like you know uh, like that movie midnight in paris that they're always thinking that the era before them was better than the era that that we are living right now that's that's exactly the point like we are called to be saints in this era mm -hmm. in in this gear and while we are alive right now with the conditions that we have right now um 
and looking for inspiration from from the saints that have come before us, like you said, people like Saint Jose Maria Escriva that it, it, he was being like telling this guy that had like a newspaper stand, and um, the the man was like, "What can I do for Opus Dei if I'm like a newspaper?" owner a kiosk owner and San Jose Maria was like be honest and mm -hmm. don't have dirty magazines on your kiosk <laughs> things like that you know it's like always deal with people honestly and uh, and fairly mm -hmm. um, so very applicable to whatever you are doing and uh, those things that you're doing with, with your work if you do it for the glory of God You're sanctifying your life. You're sanctifying work in your day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be a missionary in a foreign country. Uh, you can do your work and do it right mm -hmm. and and get graces and build a kingdom wherever you are. Yeah, and, and show, show the face of Jesus uh, wherever you are, like you said, in terms of being in your professional environment. This this was one of the big drivers of TLI, uh, the Bayak Leadership Initiative, that um, Christopher, who we've had in the podcast, you know, really focused on. On It's like now is the hour of the lady, you know, and how how are we going to change the world is by being saints in the place that God called us to be. So if you're an accountant, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, all of those different areas uh, of life, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you know, even more so, you know, because you're like literally building up souls uh, as a stay-at-home mom. And society. And, and, and yeah, and the society. So the that was the, the big impetus of it, you know, it was like be holy in, in any type of situation that you are and especially when it relates to work, you know, every work, every type of work can be sanctifying. If we give it that focus, if we're focused on just making money and, you know, having a good living and advancing yeah. our career and getting accolades and, and being renowned and revered by your peers and whatnot. Well, okay. The focus is something different, you know, be good. So others can be good. So others can become better. Um, and that was something that really draw me to the program initially, because I was like, how am I going to be like, holy being like a graphic designer? Yeah. You know, what and does to, it look like to be holy as a uh -huh. graphic designer? Yeah. yeah. And it, and it just like working through the program, it kind of like shows you is like, there's so many different needs. You can, you can use your talents for so many different aspects, uh, depending on, on, on where you are, you know, and, and, and you don't have to. Like you said, go be a missionary or or be a church six days a week uh, volunteering. It's amazing if you can do that. And I know we right. need more of that, but we don't need only that. You know, we need people to be out in the secular world evangelizing through their life and through through what God really called them to be. Yeah. And I had this conversation um, with Oliver a while ago because you know he was like i want to be he goes back and forth he's like i want to be a dad 
He's mm. like, no, I want to be a priest. I want to be a priest with a daddy. I'm like, dad, you know, it's possible, but not at optimal, you know, but, but it makes you think, right? Like mm-hmm. building a family that has strong bonds, building a good Catholic foundation with your kids. Priests come from families, period. Yep. So if you are doing a good job as a father, as a mother, where you are passing on the faith to your children, and if it's God's will, and if you cultivate your children's vocation, you know, maybe there's a vocation for the priesthood or to be a sister in, in one of your children, and we need to foster that. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, like, it can be scary to think, oh, my goodness, if one of my sons becomes a priest, they're going to be, you know, basically they're going to have a target on their backs because mm. how uh, priests, with as with everything, there are good priests and bad priests, and they're human, they can fall, obviously. But the point is, we need to make it sure that we pray for them in form them as good humans that might not or that let me say it in the positive that will stay faithful to our lord mm-hmm. and will do the work of god um because if we don't have priests we don't have the eucharist and the sacraments mm-hmm. yeah there's no church so holy families are just yeah. as important as priests totally um Speaking of that, I just remembered of a um, story related to Saint Jose Maria that I'm glad that it triggered in my brain. When um, when Diana and I were dating, um, my spiritual director gave me a prayer for the family um, that was composed by Saint Jose Maria Escriva, mm. And um, Diana and I would pray that prayer together for our future family. And I probably lost like the pamphlet that the priest that was my spiritual director gave me. But um, we we prayed it until uh, we got uh, married. And since I lost it, I, I don't I have to Google it to see like what it was and we can still do that tradition. But when I took Deanna to Monterrey to meet my family, mm. like the week that we got engaged, in Monterrey's cathedral, um, we were looking around, and one of the side altars had a first-class relic of San Jose Maria. Mm. So it was kind of like a, a cool wink from God to be like, oh, you guys have been praying to the saint. Look at this. Um, So we prayed there, and it was a kind of, um, you know, exciting moment to to be like, oh, my goodness. That's so cool. It's it's here, right here, like a a little fragment, which also, you know, for other people would be like super weird. It's like you were praying in front of like someone's (laughs) piece of bone, um, and you get excited about it. But, you know, it's it's the significance of the relic, not necessarily like the piece of bone of a saint. It's just mm-hmm. that that person lived a heroic life 
and was giving their complete yes to to God, and they accomplished good things with with their actions, mm -hmm. which is everybody's call to holiness. Again, yeah. So, um, yeah, for me, the the every time that I think of uh, Saint Jose Maria, this one quote comes up, and we put it on the back of one of the retreats t-shirts uh be firm be virile be a man then be a saint you know so i think for, for me that's been it's really spoken to me ever since we've used that um because that's that's tough you know that he's giving you really tough steps and then he's just like Okay, and then you still gotta be a saint. What's the first one? Be firm. Be firm. Okay. Be virile. Virile, which means uh, need to be strong mm -hmm. in the physical sense mm -hmm. and and manly. Mm -hmm. And then be a man. So basically, okay. just hold your own, protect the innocent. You know mm -hmm. the dignity of women, mm -hmm. and then be a saint. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's a tall order, but it's not impossible because he did it. You know, there's plenty of saints that that did it, but that's always kind of like stuck with me for some reason. You know, every time that frustration kicks in or you get um, disheartened by work or something, you're like, we should have that like as a as a poster on. Mm -hmm. You know how they have those cheesy motivational corporate ones. motivational posters, you know, with an eagle soaring? <laughs> This should just be the face of Jose Maria saying these words on a daily basis. And I think everybody would be kind of like shaping up just not to let him down. I don't think I want to let that guy down. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's like one of those padrecitos regañones. Mm -hmm. They're going to scold you when you're in the confessional. <clears throat> um, so. But yeah, be firm, be virile, be a man, then be a saint. Man, that's amazing. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about physical strength and masculinity. I'm going to mix conversations because I think it kind of goes with the topic. Mm. Um, I was listening to an episode of a diocesan podcast here is called, uh, from the diocese of Phoenix called parenting smarts. Okay. Are you familiar with it? No, I haven't listened to it yet. <clears throat> so anyways, um, they had someone on to talk about authentic masculinity. And one of the things that this guest was saying is that, um, men are now fighting against, uh, game boy, Playboy and Lazy Boy. <laughs> you know, we had to revert those three things because mm -hmm. video games are like keeping men as children. Uh, mm -hmm. Then Playboy, it's not motivating anybody to get off their asses and talk to an actual woman mm -hmm. in, in person in, you know, be in a relationship, get married and having kids and forming a family in Lazy Boy because, you know, and, and this is, they said for myself, as I said, for whoever is listening that might fit in this category, but, you know, 
I, I could do better with uh, physical preparedness, mm -hmm. not being on the couch so much, but getting a workout or two in every week. Um, it is important. It is yep. important for a man to be uh, strong. It is important for a man to be virile. It's important mm -hmm. for a man to look like a man, <laughs> mm -hmm. to to carry the, himself like like a man, and and just like women are called to embrace femininity, we are called to embrace masculinity. Um, even though right now mainstream culture tells men the opposite, right? That they can Correct. be kids forever. Mm -hmm. and, and that's exactly what's happening. I think it's the culture is just it, it's it's letting itself be taking for the taken for the ride because of all these conveniences that are readily available. Yeah, um, and speaking of conveniences, um, at the time of recording, this is um, I'm on day eight of Exodus ninety. Uh, I don't learn. I don't know why. This is the fourth <laughs> time that I've been doing that I'm doing Exodus ninety. But you know what? I I'm I'm so happy. It feels so freeing to not have TV or social media yeah. or um, sports or news. Like Diana is like keeping me up with everything that is happening with the scandal with the royal family in the UK and the book and whatnot. And I'm like, this is very entertaining, unnecessary, mm -hmm. but very entertaining. I know. Um, that I am blissfully uh, unknowing of all of these things. And um, I made it a challenge this year to, instead of 20 minutes of prayer a day as prescribed, I've been trying to go to the chapel and do a holy hour um, every day. Mm -hmm. I missed one day so far because I was in Sedona with Oliver. Um, we did like a father-son trip. What, what, they don't have churches up there or what? <laughs> they do have churches, but try to keep a six-year-old sitting down for an hour in a chapel. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a tall that's, order. That's a tall order. Mm -hmm. so, so I just did like my 20 minutes of prayer that day. That's right. So it definitely puts into perspective priorities mm -hmm. right um before i was like i need to do this i need to do this i need to do this and then if i have time i'll pray yeah um or i'll exercise i'll get a workout mm -hmm. in so now it's like since i don't have apps on my phone more than my calculator and my calendar um something like that i'm exaggerating i have more things than that but <laughs> um I was like today I was playing checkers with Deanna and the and the boys and you know we had a great time. It's still difficult, obviously, because the habit of reaching for your phone and click 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 uh, to get like that uh, reward from like the, the slot machine. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty accustomed to that, I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Um but definitely is something that um, those uh, those things that, that you call them um, 
comodidades or what, conveniences what, conveniences yes or comforts really, yeah. comforts yeah when when you remove those then you can just lean on god heavily mm-hmm. for for everything and a lot of people don't want to do that because it is very uncomfortable yeah it's very uncomfortable to actually do what we are supposed to do. It's mm-hmm. easier to do anything else and po- procrastinate and uh, not do the harder thing, um, or, or something that would be that, that would get um, any progress in like the spiritual life or in our physical state and our health. Because it's going to take effort. And I don't know. St. Jose Maria is, is, is a saint that I feel like he would be a good um, drill sergeant slash spiritual director slash fitness coach. You know, that he would like be like, you are going to do it. You can do it because of this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And, and it is your mission and it is your... Um, your ideal to to do these things um that's that's my my idea like of how i envision him yeah i, I could be completely wrong but uh, uh, no i think i think you're totally right i think he would have really appreciated uh exodus 90 as a <laughs> as a practice um i i think it's going back to Jose Maria Escriba and how he would get people potentially out of their comfort zone. I think that's what, yes, that's what's missing. All of these things are just distractions and God knows I'm, I'm plenty guilty of it. I'm, I'm, I don't consider myself to be like on my phone, like a lot. I don't do a lot of social media and stuff. The, the, the as far as I goes, like I just sometimes get lost in Instagram reels for fun. Is for fun, like like uh, Nacho Libre says, you know. Um, and and Caro and I just share those with each other because it's so funny, you know. Sometimes we're just if she's at downstairs or something and finds one and she sends it to me and she's just like cracking up and I'm just I gotta see this, you know. So it's yeah, and it's not something that we typically just isolate each other, you know. And no, we we share that part of it and we share it with the girls too. You know the the ones that we can show, <laughs> um, and and it's just fun. You know, it's funny. But that's as far as I go. I don't I don't do social media. I don't do Twitter. I I don't do Facebook. I don't do all all that stuff. And on Instagram, I'm I very for now. I yeah that I think um but I very seldomly post. You know, so I'm not like constantly on there doing lives and doing this thing. Not to say that I couldn't do better, you know, but I think there's a, a, definitely a balance. And also the type of content you receive uh, is is also important because I, I follow a lot of really good uh, accounts on Instagram. And, and you kind of like build uh, 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 one into one of your sentences right now, do the harder thing, you know. Right, that, yes. Yeah, that guy's like amazing. Uh, um Who's the other one? Catholic, you know, the Catholic. 
Catholicism. Catholicism or grassroots Catholic, all these different things, you know, and uh, Father Mike and Bishop Barron and all these different accounts that just good things keep popping up on the feed. You know, so if you kind of like balance stuff out like that, I'm not saying just get all your catechism from Instagram, obviously, no. Pick up a book, <laughs> pick up the Bible, pick up catechism in the year. Um, pray. Pray, you know, dedicate time to prayer, dedicate time to silent meditation, look at a crucifix, look at, our, uh, uh, at an image of Our Lady. All these things will build up the the habit of a more prayerful day. You know, the thing is that we, we got to, we got to get, at least me, you know, I try to get out of this mentality of just praying and then being done with it. No, we got to pray all throughout the day. We just got to surround ourselves with prayer. If you're on your phone and a little prayer pops up from something, take 30 seconds and pray it wholeheartedly. You know, so I think we can be more mindful about, yes, the content that, that we consume, but also not, not just be... Uh, rigid about having the 20 minute or the hour in the morning. If I don't get it, then I don't get it. And then I'll try again tomorrow. No, just build prayer into your day, into your meals, you know, S take five times before a meeting and say, God, I hope this meeting goes really well. I offer anything that I'm going to be doing in this meeting to you and take care of me. So I don't do something bad. Boom. <laughs> you pray follow myself. Yeah, you prayed in those 10 seconds, you know, if we can develop this habit of, yes, praying the rosary daily, um, having a devotional that it's your go-to, I think it's super important. But um, I went on, off on a tangent, but I think it's, 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 it's important to just state that somebody like Jose Maria would be very good at keeping you on your toes and, and that, you that you need to have receipts. You know, because he's not going to be, okay, it's fine. You know, you can try again tomorrow. No, he's he's going to be very, very direct. You know, one of the other quotes is like, if you have so many defects, defects, why are you surprised to find defects in others? Okay, yeah, I get it. You know, it's like <laughs> easy there, Father. <laughs> um, just pick up Camino or Forge. Mm -hmm. My goodness. It's yeah. just. It, it, it's like um, I was rereading Imitation of Christ, uh, and um, I read like the um, <clears throat> kind of like the instructions, mm -hmm. and 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 part of it was saying like read one page a day because if you do more than that you can get spiritual indigestion. <laughs> so I think that with Jose Maria is kind of the same. If you're gonna pick up anything that he has written, maybe you will need like a, a swift kick in the bottom to get you going it's going to be like one paragraph mm -hmm. of Camino or I would say start with Camino if you're like new to San Jose Maria Escriba um, and also um, we need to make the mangy donkey a thing man dude yes mangy donkey for life hashtag mangy donkey make it a thing mm -hmm. on Twitter even though we're not on Twitter but it's, you know, make it trending I don't know mm -hmm. it could be a thing it maybe <laughs> is a thing I think Opus Dei is uh, and somehow associated with the mangy donkey. I need to ask Ryan Ayala because he's yeah. a big fan of uh, uh, San Jose Maria. But in the meantime, um, hopefully you got something out of this conversation that had a lot to do with 
Opus Dei and prayer in being a man. And if you know men that could benefit from listening to this episode, share it with them. Um, and if they have something to complain about what we said, just tell them to talk to us. We'll be happy to have a conversation <laughs> with them. Um, thank you so much for listening. Please go to um, direct.me forward slash Barbatos for more information on the podcast. And we will see you next week. Until then, bless us, Casey. Pray, Pray for us. us. See you next week. Bye-bye.